Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program is my friend, Teresa Almarez. And it is really nice to say that because when we first met 13 years ago, we had a client relationship and we have worked together for a very long time. We started our journey together when Teresa was at Bella Pictures. And Teresa, let, let's talk about that. But hey, happy Friday. It's, at least it's Friday for us when we're recording this. How was, how was your week? Great. Hey, good to good to hear from you, Dave. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey of us working together. Um, my week has actually been really busy. We're you know we're kicking off a pretty large project here at Glassdoor, and in fact, your team's actually working alongside us on that. So really happy about that. But um, I'm definitely glad it's Friday. Let's just say that. It is, it is a big project that we are working on there together. So Teresa, <laughs> yeah. if this is the first time you are meeting her, is the Director of Engagement Marketing, which by the way, I love that title because it talks about what we're really supposed to be doing in marketing these days, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. But let's, let's go back because I've got a fun kind of origin story for you and I. Teresa, when we first met, uh, literally when the company was getting off the ground. So DemandGen, we were like, I don't know, five people, I think, when Teresa yeah. and I first met at Bella Pictures, right? It was 2007-ish time. And you can talk about what Bella Pictures is, but our first real project together was lead scoring. Now, they're not still around anymore, right? I think they've been acquired and rolled up. Yeah, Bella Pictures, I think they got acquired by a Midwest company. Um, but, you know, back in the early stages, like we had just brought on Eloqua and, you know, I inherited Eloqua, so... Uh, first and foremost, we were like, okay, we've got this, like, it, it almost was like this Ferrari of <laughs> automation system, and I'm one person, and yet we knew, you know, we wanted to bring in lead scoring, we wanted to do lead nurturing, um, and so that's kind of when, you know, we found DemandGen in the marketplace. Um, at that time, there were some small, other smallish players, but we had heard really good feedback about, you know, the people at DemandGen, so... That's when they started working together. And I will have to say, I still reference that lead scoring project today. Um, we worked with um, a data scientist. His name was John Wallace. Um, and we really paired um, our data scientist model with a lot of the work that the man, demand gen had done across behavior, implicit and explicit behavior and kind of really tied that with a lot of data that we extracted from Bella Pictures. And so just quickly to the results, um, we saw a huge conversion rate increase um, for our inside sales team. I mean, it was so successful. Our, I remember our CEO saying, how do we do more? How do we do this better? And we're like, okay, that's not how it works. Um, but it made a huge impact to the company. And it was, um, I think, very provocative at that point in time. Um, and I think we actually even went on to promote this at one of the Eloqua conferences. We did. We did. And for those of you, again, who don't know Teresa, because we have got to know each other and become friends over these 13 years, um, she's not your average marketer. She, you know, she's, as as we like to say to each other, we're we're OGs. (laughs) We are these old school marketers who grew up in the art of marketing and content and marketing programs. And she is just phenomenal in terms of 
marketing creativity and programs and, and, and just clever concepts. And I'm going to talk about that program and lead scoring in a minute. But you've also become a marketing geek and, and understanding the technology and the tools as well. So you've got your, your geek and chic. Uh, you got those, those two things going, going for marketing. So here's a story about this, this lead scoring. Um, Teresa reaches out and says, hey, I want to want to use more of this Ferrari. I want to you know, put this system in place. And one of the problems that you brought up was they were running this very creative promotion for um, the wedding photography. Your so, sweepstakes. Yeah, yeah, your sweepstakes, sweepstakes. Which I fully understand now because when, when Emily got engaged, my, my daughter who's now married, guess what mm-hmm. mom and grandma are doing, right? They're, they're looking for ways to cut corners on expenses for the wedding and start to get everything lined up. So they would have been the people to respond to your sweepstakes campaign and produce these <laughs> false positives that you guys were getting. And so they were getting these leads coming in and the sales team was saying, mm, not so much. These are not the ideal buyer. And you know, it's, it's not, we're not really ready to talk to them. Uh, so Teresa and I said, okay, what are we going to do? And it was your idea to hire, as you said, John Wallace, the uh, the data scientist, and and he worked at uh, you know in the credit card area. So anyway, to make a long story short, because we're going to get to leadership today, we're going to talk about leadership big time. But it is just a fun story to say the way that we solved these false positives was John looking at the data and he studied. You know, he was an expert in studying credit card buying transaction patterns and such. And so he looks at the data. And he comes up with this answer and he goes, you know what you guys need to ask on these forms? Have they selected a venue, right? Remember that? Because that mm-hmm. was the magic question. Because if you hadn't selected, if you had selected a venue but didn't have a wedding photographer, then they were ready to talk to your sales team. And that was really transformative in terms of the model and, and just that approach. And wow, look how far we've come. And now we've got tools to help with data science these days. That was a fun project. Exactly. Yeah, I, I still remember it fondly. And again, as we're now working with your team on lead scoring again, this is, I think, will come up over and over again of you know how to really look at the data and what are the key attributes to actually identify intent. And one of the unique things about our uh time together and you you've you've hired us now this is the this is the third time the first two companies where you brought us in were both b2c but considered purchase bella pictures was considered purchase as well as the work happening there at at treasury wine estates yep that's true um third you know this is yeah two other companies two you know Two things that you can be passionate about, wedding photography and, of course, Treasury Wine Estates, which I think you benefited from, Dave, with yes, all the wine dramatically. <laughs> that, that we drank during that Favorite time. Favorite client ever. Yeah. Lots of yeah. good wine. Yeah. Good, good to be a friend of the firm. By the way, I have figured yeah. out uh, over the years the secret, right, which you knew all too well and how they do such good sales at these wine tastings is that they just do the heavy pour. The heavy pour just, just works. I was just up in Napa with Tiffany, uh, and we, we came away with some wine and, and that's what it took. It was, it was good wine. Oh, yeah. but, they're, yeah. they're salespeople. They know what they're doing. Oh yeah, they do. Well, let's talk about Glassdoor who I discovered, uh, you know, by, by an interesting story. Um, would you mind just giving a quick, I, I think a lot of people know what Glassdoor is, but what I don't think is people really understanding how to leverage it, either you know if you're on the employer side or as an employee? So maybe give us a quick overview, and then let's, let's talk about leadership. 
Yes, of course. So I've been at Glassdoor for over five years now. And as Dave mentioned, I'm the director of engagement marketing. So that covers email as well as push notifications. Um, So Glassdoor is one of the world's largest job and recruiting sites. Our mission is to help people find a job and company they love. Um, The way we kind of think about Glassdoor and what it does is on the consumer side, you know, we, we have a two-sided marketplace uh, where our job seekers are looking at jobs and companies and figuring out, you know, what's it like to work there, looking at the salary details and so forth. And then on the, the other side of our marketplace, we actually help recruit our employers recruit and hire quality talent. And we do that through a couple of different ways. Um, we help with, um, you know, job advertising, um, job posting, but also um, employer branding services. And that's kind of how employers are managing their brand. Um, and that actually brings me to um, to Dave and DemandGen in thinking about, you know, what is DemandGen's rating and review on Glassdoor? This is what somebody would look like um, if they were trying to think through, okay, how do I attract more quality candidates? Um, or how do I want people to perceive me in the marketplace? And so as we look at DemandGen, I mean, I'm seeing a 4.7 um, demand gen review rating, which is actually really good as we see across companies. 96% approval of CEO and Ooh. 95% recommended to a friend. So I would actually say, nice job, Dave. Um, wow. Those are actually really good numbers. Is I because I well, thank you. By the way, um, just just to be very transparent with everyone. When uh, I think we got started and and DemandGen showed up on Glassdoor, this probably won't surprise people, but our rating was horrible because the very first person was a terminated employee in sales, and she was not very happy with me and the company. So it's good to see that over time that uh, that data has has landed where it is as more and more employees. Uh, and people that have worked here have weighed in. Kind of, kind of the Yelp syndrome, right? They're like a- angry, unhappy customers are like normally the first ones to weigh in on Yelp reviews. But over time, yeah, data, data talks. So, for, is it four point seven? Is actually from your from your benchmarks? That's a good rating because I don't know if most yeah. are in the four to five range or you see it all over. I definitely, you know, seeing a ninety six percent approval rating as a CEO definitely makes me smile because my mission. Every single, Teresa, every single employee who I've ever onboarded, the very first slide and talk I have with them when they come on is, um, my goal is to make this the best place that you have ever worked. It may not be the first, it may not be the last, but I want it to be the best that it ever is. So to see that kind of approval rating makes makes me smile, makes me feel like I'm doing a good job, uh, but... Um, I never have my heels on the ground and I want to be a great leader and I want all the leaders in the organization to be great, great leaders. What else, what else, what other insights can you get from our, our profile there with your expertise? Um, well, you know, I would say that, you know, like just as you were talking about, um, you know, having a negative review, um, you know, one of the things, you know, I always tell people cause you know, I get hit up all the time. Um, people are like, oh, I have a bad review on Glassdoor. Like, what should I do? Um, and one of the things I kind of always tell people is, you know, we have a feature where, you know, whether you're a CEO or somebody else from the leadership team, you have the ability to actually respond to those reviews. Um, so I think, 
what it really shows people is that you're an engaged leader. You're listening to the feedback that you're seeing on Glassdoor. You know, I look through reviews as well. And so when I see stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, at least like, you know, they've recognized, they've listened and, you know, hopefully that company is doing something about it. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm glad that, you know, you recognize, you know, that, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs, but that you guys are able to, to kind of tackle that and, no, no company's perfect. That's for sure. Well, the one that I um, I just clicked in to look at like how the the reviews are made up, and I noticed that in culture and values, four point nine. So that is, uh, I'll pass that on to our leadership team because I think that that speaks quite that's, nicely that's to yeah. yeah, yeah. That's you know, wow. When you and I met, you didn't manage a team. You didn't lead a team. You you were part of a team, and you worked for Tracy Chu. Uh, and, and rolling up to Lisa. And um, now you are, are leading a team. So you've got to experience what it's like to have a manager. And we always all have a manager. Someone has, someone, mm-hmm. someone's over us in life. Whether, <laughs> uh, and oh, yeah. and um, what I have learned, especially raising two daughters who are now working, that the biggest thing that they value, in addition to the company's culture, like their purpose, is how they feel about their manager, whether they enjoy the work with their manager, like a number one thing. And, you know, it works not a friend factory, right? It's not about just being friendly with your employees or doing things, you know, that make them smile. It's, it's far more than that. So how have you, in, in your career and now as a manager, um, you know this all too well, how do you show up to your, to your team? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, the way I think about my team, you know, I, I like to set like the values um, and, and most likely it's, it's like, okay, what do, what do we stand for as a team? Like, you know, what, what do we want people to know us for? And so I think that's first and foremost, as I onboard new people, um, it's really about, you know, I, I love, you know, to empower my team. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of trust in my team. Uh, but I also realize, you know, and I think this is one thing that, um, you know, you'll, you're, you never find is, is a tolerance of failure. Um, knowing that, you know, if you're going to fail fast, you're going to learn fast. And so, you know, I, I've been in organizations before where, you know, you make a mistake and you're so fearful to, to you know, go to your manager and tell, and tell that manager, you know, I made that mistake. But I've always kept it, you know, hey, I want to know things, um, you know, it's not about dealing with the consequences right away. It's like, let's solving the issue first. Um, and then coming up with a plan of how are we going to make sure this doesn't happen going forward. And I feel like I've built that trust, um, with all the people I've managed, um, across different companies. Um, and that build, building of trust, um, of your people is very, very critical. I feel like if people don't, if your team doesn't feel like you trust them, um, I have a, you know, that's, that's where mistakes happen or people are unsure or it's hard for them to actually make decisions. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, the areas, empowerment, tolerance of failure, and just having that trust is kind of how I like to show up and kind of build the values in my team. Great points. You, you do have close relationships with your, um, the people on your team. I've seen that firsthand. And, and in fact, I think that's why, you and I became friends because even though it was, you know, you hired us, you never treated us as a vendor. It was always a partnership and that partnership led to a friendship. And 
it's it's complicated in work because if you get too close and someone's not performing, for example, some people mm-hmm. can really struggle with like their quote friends and now that person is not performing or they're trying to get them to perform at another level and they feel like they that that gets in the way. I I do not find that to be the case. I find the more and you hit you hit the nail on the head, like the more someone trusts you the more they're going to take your coaching and feedback to heart and not be defensive about it. And, you know, and, and it's all how you approach it. If you worked for me, Teresa, um, for me to say something like, hey, are you open to some feedback coming out of that meeting we just had, right? Who, who's going to mm-hmm. say, no, no, I'm not open to any feedback. So you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like showing up with your hand out uh, for more like a handshake. You know, hey, are you open to some feedback coming out of that meeting as opposed to, I want to tell you something about what I saw in that meeting, like just a totally different tone. And so how, oh, do, you, yeah. how do you handle that? Because you and I have had drinks together. And even though, you know, I, I consider myself and our team an extension of, of your team. So I've seen how we've developed and you've, you've held us accountable. I mean, when you need something or something's not going exactly to your expectations, you are not shy to let that be known, which I really admire. And I can't imagine you're any different with, with your team. So how do, you, how do you do it? How do you balance the develop of the friendship, but yet be able to hold people accountable and, and coach them and talk to them when times are tough. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny cause it's like, it's not just what I practice at work. This is actually how I practice my personal life. Um, you know, I have a big family and I have my husband and this is just kind of who I am. Like I, it's hard for me to, to kind of be fake and not really, sh- you know, if I have something to say, usually, you know, I don't shoot from the hip. Um, but I've always, I think just, you know, coming from a big family and just really understanding how important delivery is, um, you know, and, and making sure that, you know, you really kind of provide context at the beginning of where this is coming from and why this is coming from. Cause I think when you have the context, um, with your teammates, um, and then you can, you know, deliver it in a way that feels safe. Um, I think that kind of changes the conversation. And so, yes, I'm close with my team. Um, you know, I know what's going on in their personal lives to an extent. Um, you know, we're not hanging out on the weekends and so forth. But, you know, I want to know, you know, if they're not bringing their, their selves to work at a, at a level that I need them, I would like to know what's, why is that, um, what can I do to help you know, what can I take off your plate and so forth. And so because they know that I care about that stuff and I care about their well-being, um, when it comes to hard conversations, uh, you know, I, I'm all about on-the-spot feedback. When I see my team, you know, say something in a meeting or, I, you know, something where I'm like, ugh, maybe you should have thought about it this way, I will tell them right away because the way I'm telling them is, look, my goal is to elevate you and to make you look good across the organization. Um, so everything that I'm telling you is there to help build you as a leader um, in your space. And a lot of my team works autonomously. They don't, I'm not in every meeting with them. They are, you know, representing me. They're representing the team in meetings with like, you know, sometimes leaders, uh, the product team, the engineering team. So they have to be super buttoned up. Um, so every time I tell them, I'm like, okay, if you're going to meet in front of this person, you know, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. And then if I'm there to witness it, witness it in person, I'll, I'll give them that feedback. And they're actually really appreciative 
of the feedback. Do you find that the generation of workers that are ending uh, entering the workforce these days are more or less open to feedback or, or no difference? Uh, you know, I feel like I feel like they're hungrier for mm-hmm. feedback. Um, I, feel I the same. would say and and it's like they want to know right away. I mean, we're we're actually taking it very seriously in the marketing uh, our marketing org. It was actually, you know, we do a, a, a pulse survey um, like every, probably every six months. And one of the biggest areas of feedback we got across the team was that how to give and receive feedback. And so we actually, our CMO actually put uh, workshops together around feedback. And it was, you know, we have a relatively younger team. There's, there's actually a lot of new people who this is their first job. So to see that come out as one of the top um, concerns across mm-hmm. the marketing org uh, makes me see that, okay, these people are hungry for feedback. And I've done these things so many times. I've actually, uh, you know, that's, I feel like back in the day, we, we tended to shy away from that. Um, and maybe even managers tended to shy away from that. But I feel like now it's, it's been a topic of conversation. I have learned this. I don't know where it was, but I want to like major takeaway of the podcast today is this piece of information. And I'd, I'd love to hear what your, your CEO shared is that when you give feedback, don't just say great job. It's actually not that helpful mm-hmm. to say, hey, Teresa, great job. Peel that onion back a little bit and share the details. And just just this week, Kara um, Ferguson, who is cares on our um, managed services group. So as, as you know, mm-hmm. we, we build and launch lots of emails and landing pages for our clients and do that as a managed service. And she is part of that team. And one of our clients, uh, Gigster, Aaron, who's, who's there, was uh, out in Arizona presenting uh, at the conference. And Kira took the effort to go out and ask me, hey, can I get a badge because I want to see her presentation. And she went out there and sat through the presentation. And then I saw the two of them at the bar later on. And what's funny was it wasn't even Kara getting Aaron a drink. Aaron bought her a drink because she values her so much. And they were sitting there having a great conversation and spending time. So, you know, look, as a, as a company whose core values, you, you know these, one of them is caring. And so for Kara, mm-hmm. I guess maybe pun intended, she she was really demonstrating how much she cares about her client. She didn't have to be at that presentation. She didn't have to make the extra effort to be there, but she was. Anyway, the point is, when I send her a note, because I want to acknowledge good performance, right? I'm very coaching mindset. I wrote, and here, here's the text that I sent her in, in our, we, have, we don't use Slack, we use it's Glip, same type of thing. Yeah. I said, uh, I am really proud of you, Kara. Keep up the great work. And I could have stopped right there, but what I said is, you care about clients and their success, and you can't train that. And I went on to give some examples of that and had a conversation with her. And, and she wrote back, thank you, David. I really appreciate the compliment. So she knew that that was a compliment and that it was recognizing good performance. And I think whether it's recognizing good performance or when someone's underperforming, if you come from a coaching perspective with that add the detail about why their performance is good or not good makes you a better uh, leader. I agree. I, and that's where it comes back to the context. And I think that was so great that you said, you know, this, this is the values that you're bringing, you know, to your job and providing more context. You know, I, I try and do that, you know, to my team as, as well. Like, you know, one of my, 
one of my teammates was, you know, recently promoted um, to actually managing someone. And then also she went from managing email to primarily managing push notifications, which, you know, there are some similarities, but it's, you know, learning a whole new system. It's having work across, you know, mobile product and engineering teams. So, you know, the feedback I've been giving her is like, look, this is hard. This is a challenge. This is putting you out of your comfort zone. You're not going to know everything from the beginning, but the reason I put you here is because I believe you can do it. Um, and so letting her know that like, you're not going to, you know, and she's kind of a perfectionist in her own, in her own right, but you know, letting her know that, you know, I believe in her, this is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but we will get through it together. And I'm here to support you with whatever you need. So I, I agree. Context actually provides, you know, a, a lot. It just opens up a lot for people um, and gets them thinking in a whole different way. Let, let's hit another one then around leadership, which is which is helping teams avoid burnout. Uh, last night, I went to the Warrior game. They were playing the Lakers. They they did not oh. win, as you probably know. know. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, and I was there with We Joan- have season tickets. I know. Oh, do you? <laughs> ah, we, oh, yeah. Did you go? It hasn't been the greatest. No, we we didn't we sold the game, but it, it hasn't been a great season so, so far. But. We went. I went last night and went there with a client, also another person I would consider a good friend, uh, and that is Jonas Mo. And Jonas is the chief marketing officer at Ellie Mae. And Jonas and I, you know, as you know, I used I used to run marketing there. Jonas is now in the, my my former role. And they're still a client mm-hmm. to this day. And so he and I were invited by one of our partners to go to uh, the Warrior game. And so we went there and it was like gorgeous, gorgeous lounge and, you know, the food and everything was just like the hus- hospitality off the charts. And when he and I were yeah. sitting there just on a little break talking and I said, so, you know, what's your schedule these days? And I found out that Jonas is still getting to the office at around eight o'clock in the morning and often there until seven, 7.30 at night. He wow. works a long day. Now, if you're thinking, well, wow, you guys known each other for that long. Let me say, Jonas has been at Ellie Mae for 20 years. He started there straight out of school <laughs> and that's how he performs. Like he's, he's Steph Curry. I mean, he puts in the time and effort to perform at the highest level. He did not start at Ellie Mae, of course, as the CMO, but he worked himself uh-huh. uh, into that role by just cons- consistently performing. You'd think the guy is burnt out, and he's not. He really loves working hard. Now, that can be a pace-setting performance, which other people try to emulate and burn out, uh, or it can be, you know, some people can feel like, I got to try to keep up to that, but maybe they they, they don't. So, I'm curious what advice you have, like, because you work hard, Teresa. You are you are no slacker by any means, and you're fearless. How do you <laughs> yeah. how do you become a role model, but at the same time, how do you help your team avoid getting burnt out? Yeah, I mean, I you know I you know came from e-commerce, you know, and so forth, and so like you know those were long hours, those were weekends, those were you know never seeing my family on Thanksgiving because of Cyber Monday. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was my world for a long time. Um, but now, you know, as I'm here at Glassdoor and we actually do take work-life balance seriously, but doesn't mean that we don't work hard. I, I definitely like to build a team that, you know, I trust and has great capabilities. So really trusting the people around you to get work done. Um, where I've seen other managers burn out is when, you know, they want to take on a lot of stuff by themselves and they have a hard time delegating. 
Um, you know, I trust my team. I want to empower them. And so that actually, you know, giving them the focus and taking on a lot of the workload allows me to actually work on more of the strategic stuff. Um, and also, I like to look at, okay, what's my team doing? Why is this taking them so long? Um, what are some operational efficiencies that we can do on our end? And one of, and actually this happened last year around July, um, you know, my team was responsible for, you know, of course, delivering all the emails, getting them mm-hmm. out the door. And, you know, we know that that can be a lot of churn and burn. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it's very repetitive um, and so forth. And so one of the things I, I started to think through was what if I could actually free my, t- my team up to actually be a little bit more strategic, um, to actually be able to analyze performance of their campaigns. And so that's kind of when I thought through, what if we kind of outsourced our production? Um, and, you know, I sent the email out to Dave, <laughs> to you, and I said, hey, Dave, um, I think we might need you. Um, and so that's kind of when we started the conversation mm-hmm. of let's, looking, let's see how your team can actually help me and my team and kind of push off a lot of the the production work um, so it'll allow my team to actually be more strategic. And so that has changed the world for my team. They're super excited about the projects they're working on. They're actually taking the time to actually analyze and kind of read results and actually present that out to stakeholders. And then the other thing that they've been doing is actually allowed more time for testing, which was really hard to implement because when you're just like trying to get through as many campaigns as you can, you know, sometimes testing gets lost. Mm -hmm. And so I've just seen a huge change in my team. And so, you know, when you can identify things like that, uh, where you know that, you know, okay, why is this taking people so long? Why are they staying so late? Um, You know, it can totally change that trajectory of people feeling like they're on the, they're on the way to burnout. And before I inherited the B2B side of the business, the churn rate of um, employees was high, was the highest in the marketing department. Um, you know, you saw the most people kind of moving out of the marketing operations role pretty quickly because they just didn't want to, you know, do this role forever. Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a daunting role. It's not for everybody for sure, but for those that are up for the challenge, it's such a rewarding role and it's so multifaceted all the things that you can do by the way before we go on i i just want there's something that you said and i just want to say thank you Teresa. and that is because like it's really uncomfortable for me i've never shared this and and i'm just thinking about like when i get to know people like you as long as i have and you make career moves um it's always awkward for me to like reach out i don't just proactively necessarily reach out and say hey let's work together again of course i might send a note about congratulations on the new role and excited for you and that Mm -hmm. type of stuff but it's just you know you get to know someone it's like why i was never like an amway salesperson or something like that i don't want to quote sell to friends but you want to be there for each other and so it's it's always nice that you take the time and and reach out and and know that we're there for you and you've helped us evolve because who we were when we were a five-person company 13 years ago is not who we are certainly today is yeah. an almost 80 person company and the kind of services that we're doing so you've let us keep evolving with you which has been much appreciated so thank you before we go on thank you yeah. very much oh that's great you know i mean dave it's like you know when i took over the b2b side which was about a year ago like i wish i could have called you right away uh, but unfortunately there was another agency um, that was involved. And so, you know, I assessed them pretty quickly that they were going to work out and it just took me some time to kind of untangle them 
um, from the current process, but, you know, I knew from, you know, the get-go that once I took, like, the B2B side that, you know, I, I just feel like, and, you know, I know this sounds, you know, like I'm gushing, but, you know, it, it really does help when you can trust your vendor. And we've just talked about trust with employees. Mm-hmm. Like I have to trust that my vendor, you know, has, you know, is putting my company first and really thinks through, you know, I've seen other agencies just burn through hours or oversell things. You know, sometimes I look at these contracts, and I'm like, Oh my God, what did they oversell us? <laughs> and I know that, you know, working with you, it's like, this is what I want. This is what I need. And I know that you're going to deliver that for me. So I want to say thank you mm. um, as well, because, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's just a no brainer. I, I feel like I can trust you. I know, you know, if I have to come back to you and say, Hey, this is not working or, um, you know, I have some feedback. I know that you'll listen and, you know, it won't be defensive. I just know that you're going to take that in and we'll make things work. Well, thank you. Lots of love going both ways. I um, and, and I know that if we ever are not performing at that expectation level, because your bar is high, you you pick up the phone and you know you'll, you'll start with my team. But if you've ever needed to reach out to me in the past, you're like, hey, Dave, here's what I'm looking for, you guys, and and here's what I need, and we get it done. Um, yeah. Let's talk about impact because at the end of the day, we all want to know that we are making an impact in the world, and that starts in our families in our communities, and certainly when we spend at least a third of our day at work, we got to make an impact. So we as leaders, in addition to giving good feedback, what Teresa and I were talking about when we were just saying, let's do a podcast together, was about making an impact. And you have worked in B2C, and you've had a direct relationship with thy buyer. So you've been always able to see in your marketing programs the impact that you're having on the on the business. Some people are not as fortunate, sell through channels or other ways, or maybe some people are not as capable as you and your team. So what are what are thoughts you have about helping your team understand the impact they're supposed to be having? That's part one. And then how do you show them and recognize to them the impact that they that they are having? Yeah, well, I think like transparency and visibility um, is very key. Um, you know, luckily Glassdoor does a great job of that as well from a company level. Um, we're really transparent um, about how the company's doing and, you know, both areas of the business. So I think, you know, that that's actually been super helpful for me. And then as I kind of translate that down to my team, you know, it's taking taking how the company's performing and kind of digesting it for the team of like, well, this is actually what email contributes. And, you know, we've been in this email business for a long time, like email. I mean, I know back in the days, everyone was like, Oh, email's dead and email's dying, but our, you know, email's actually doing really well. Um, We're, we're still seeing great engagement. Um, We're still seeing, you know, it's a big driver as we, you know, promote content or events and so forth. So, where I like to actually present that impact, it was, you know, really being um, strong about uh, my team owning and being accountable for their numbers. Um, I think before, um, you know, there wasn't as much visibility. They used to see the overall numbers, but not exactly what their numbers were doing. And so as they've come on the team, you know, they're responsible for pulling their own metrics, um, promoting their own metrics, and, you know, pushing it out to stakeholders. So we meet with our events team, our content team, uh, our paid advertising teams, and kind of let people know, hey, this is how these campaigns performed. 
this was like top performing. These were the challenges. This is what we tested. And so giving them that space to actually present that back has been, you know, has really changed, you know, the mindset of this team that went from like more of an operations and execution team to an actual team that knows, okay, I know what I'm driving. I know what, you know, I'm, you know, you know, contributing to the bottom line, but then also being that, you know, that strategic partner that can actually speak to and help other partners kind of understand what email could contribute. So it's that education, it's that them having, you know, that accountability that has really allowed us to be very transparent about the impact that they're delivering. Where do you feel you've had some impact points, uh, whether whether you go back to Bella or Treasury or there? Let, let's let's see let's see how comfortable you are talking about yourself, which people are terrible at. But where do you think you've had an impact, either on the team uh, or or on the company? Yeah, I would say um, you know, Glassdoor is probably easier just because I've been here, um, <laughs> probably the longest. Um, yeah, I would say that you know we I brought a lot of expertise in the email marketing space. I think, you know, you don't find a lot of people who have actually done B2C and B2B. And so um, being able to kind of take learnings from both sides of the business and Mm -hmm. kind of implement and and so forth has actually been um, really eye-opening for me and my team. As As I think about it, you know, I'm one of I, I'm one of the few teams that actually sits across you know both sides of the business. Um, so, I would say you know, and you know, I'm always a champion for you know deliverability and you know all kinds of other things. So you know that I've brought a lot of structure around just making sure that you know we're adhering to you know our guidelines and you know that. Um, that people take email seriously. Like, you know, we have other teams that actually email like our sales and so forth. And so just being that, that, that voice and just continuing to, to educate people on best practices and, and the importance of really making sure that our customers have the best experience. That's awesome. You are, you are definitely self-aware because I would say, if somebody asked me like one of your many strengths, I would say one of those superpowers is, your ability to do effective email marketing and a channel that many people feel is not that effective anymore. But I, I, I would guess the reason that you've been so effective in what you've done is you've done so much B2C. So you here you are in B2B or in consider purchase, but you have this B2I mentality, this, you know, I'm always communicating to an individual. And so the copy and the imagery and the things that you do there, so, so impactful. I, too many times companies market like they're talking company to company as opposed to company to individual and you you're excel there um can we chat about mentorship a little bit because i think a big part of leadership is is mentorship and i talked about coaching but when i think about mentorship i'd love to get your perspective i think about mentorship as a very special relationship between a select set of your employees in my case i extend that out to clients i do a lot of mentoring to CMOs and to marketing leaders and a lot of individuals who have who have asked for my coaching and mentorship for them in their career journey, and which is very rewarding doing that. My dad had a very coaching personality as well as my mom does. And um, mm-hmm. what do you think about mentorship? Like when is the right time to be a mentor to someone and what's the difference between being a, a mentor and a leader? 
Yeah, I mean, mentoring, uh, just like I said, is incredibly important. I I feel like everyone kind of needs a champion in their corner. Um, And whether that, you know, is your boss or someone in your organization or even outside of the organization, um, it's, it's invaluable. So I would say that, you know, it really helped build my career. Um, You know, as I think about my, you know, mentor, you know, Lisa Musato, who, you know, kind of, you know, we worked at Bella Pictures together, but kind of brought me along to other companies and, you know, just really like, you know, showed me like how to be a strong leader in some of the toughest organizations. Um, But, you know, she was always, you know, gave me the right feedback, um, you know, very, very real feedback. I mean, we used to have some uncomfortable conversations um, and I'd be like, wow, like, you know, sometimes it really hurt, but, you know, having that mentor to kind of guide you and give you that real honest approach, I think is valuable. And so, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different mentoring, not anything formalized, but, you know, whether it comes to my friends or, you know, even my team, um, you know, I'm actually, I've done an outreach program at UC Berkeley. I was, you know, I, that's where my alma mater is, um, go Bears. Um, so I'm part of a network where, you know, students have the ability to actually email me. And if we can make things work, I'll just have conversations with them on the phone. Most likely it's how do you get into marketing and how you, how do you kind of deal with, you know, finding a job after you, after you graduate. So I, I, I push it all the time. I, I tell my nieces and nephews, like having a mentor is, you know, is how you really are going to get ahead because, you know. I see people who think they know it all and believe me, even at this stage of the game, we all don't know it all. No, um, and so you no, none of us know it all. And so if, if you kind of have that mindset, you're not going to succeed. But if you have the mindset of always learning, asking for help, reaching out to people, um, you know, I think that's where a mentorship can be valuable and help you really just kind of build your career out. It's a different perspective being a mentor than being a manager or leader. And I'll, and I'll say yeah. this, I joined uh, Vistage International and Vistage, I was in Vistage for seven years. I still have a connection to my coach there, but uh, I was officially in the program for seven years. And it's a peer group of C-level executives. You meet once a month, there's about 14 of you. Different groups have different sizes, but there was about 14 of us. And my coach, Julie Ranganum, was phenomenal. And she's, she's still my mentor. And the difference between like Julie's approach and maybe managers that I've had or leaders that I've worked for is she always seeks to understand before be understood. Like she asks questions. It's basically therapy. You know, it's like, so Dave, what do you think you should be doing in this situation? And helps me go through the thought process. And that's what I find a good mentor does is helps you think about the challenges and the opportunities you have in front of you and then how you're going to get there. We're all too often sometimes in in a workplace, uh, your manager is directing you and setting expectations that you're yeah. going to achieve where a mentor is going to help you find your path and help you get there and, and help you learn how to make those decisions to do it. And you can't do it with hundreds of people. I don't, maybe some people know how, I don't know how you'd mentor hundreds of people. Uh, <laughs> that would <but>, be tough. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if you have people in your organization that you're like, you know what, I'm going to take this person under my wing uh, and develop them because they're either going to be a rock star, uh, you know, here 
and and let me help bring out the best of them. Or I would just say, don't even attach it to what they're going to do necessarily at your company, but make a bet on them. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to Rob Mayo, who you know, Rob. Rob was one of those guys that when he joined Demand Gen, and I recognized his skills and abilities, I'm like, this is someone that I'm going to mentor, and I'm just going to develop him. And he did end up leaving Demand Gen after five years, and he, which is a long mm-hmm. time straight out of school, and went on the client side. And he's now a client at Splunk, and I continue to mentor him and even learn from him now. And, and so we've worked together for uh, 10 years, and I flew to New York to celebrate that kind of 10-year anniversary uh, together. And, and you know, it's, it's, you just find those diamonds in a rough, and I'm like, this is someone I'm going to invest time in there. I do that with clients all the time. Many of you maybe listening to the program have felt that from me, like Dave really wants to help me advance my career and make me a hero, and, and I, do, I do love doing it. And I, I see you do it with your team, and you've responded well to it. Lisa, as you said, you know, mentored you quite a bit and developed you, but she was also tough on you too, and we all, we all need that. Yeah, and you know, and to this day, you know, once you know, Lisa and I worked at you know three companies together, and you know, when I when I left for Glassdoor, you know, I went out on my own and you know took all those learnings that you know she had instilled in me, and we're still really great friends. Um, we have conversations. I actually give her advice um, at her job now, and so I feel like you know we have a really great relationship, and you know, I. I continue to just, you know, get feedback from her and just, you know, express, you know, uh, my gratitude for, for giving me those opportunities and just really helping me shape the way I became a leader. Shout out to Lisa. We'll have to tag her when we post this. I know. Well, hey, I will let you get to your weekend and uh, thank you for this time together. Love, love watching your career ascension, everything that you've done. You guys are doing some phenomenal work at Glassdoor and thank you again for, for bringing my team over and over and over again uh, to be, be part of yours. Thank you so much, Dave, for inviting me. This was such a great idea. I, you know, I've seen it. I've seen you've been doing this for a while. So I'm just glad we finally got the opportunity to do it together. Very cool. And if any of you are out there and you got a story to tell and you want to talk about a topic together. Don't hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I know many of you do. I hope you guys are enjoying the content of, of 2020 and hearing from people like Teresa and, and uh, just love, love having this time with you, Teresa, and, and having the time with, with all of you. So that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to take a look at your Glassdoor profile, folks, and see how your company's doing. You, you may be either pleasantly <laughs> surprised or you maybe got some work to do. We'll see, but we'll leave it with that. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 